Hello, welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, and human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now, here's your host, two-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kosowski. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we talk about topics of leadership, business, and human potential. And today, I am super excited to be interviewing Jake Thompson. He is a speaker, coach, and chief encouragement officer at Compete Every Day. He started his global brand by selling t-shirts out of his trunk, out of his a car in 2011, and is distributed through retailers in five countries, the brand's own online store. Jake helps um, individuals to learn the competitor mindset, to push past their fears, smash their goals, and live up to their potential and leaders to make the biggest impact in their career and life. Jake is a third generation entrepreneur, the youngest strategic board member of the University of Dallas College of Business and a graduate of both Texas Christian University with a BS and a University of Dallas with his MBA. For more information, I want you to go to www.jakeathompson.com and I am pulling out my props already. <laughs> I have been following Jake and his team at Compete Every Day for, gosh, a couple of years now, I'm sure. And uh, the when you look and uh, watch me is my favorite, I'm going to read the back to you and I'll show you the back. So when you're at the gym and people are reading your backs, they make them all regret doubting you, talking down to you, believing you'll never make it big. And all you have to say is turn around and say, what? So that is one of my most inspirational tanks. And uh, Jake, I'm just going to jump in because let's do it. The heart, the big topic these days is about what is your why? And I really want to know what is the why behind compete every day? Yeah, for me, it's the looking at other people and seeing potential and ability that a lot of times we forget ourselves. And so for me, my why is honestly driving to encourage and help people find their best life because I feel too many of us are settling. Uh, we're settling for relationships, for bad habits, for careers, for things that don't even come close to our true potential. And for me, like I had an awakening eight years ago, roughly, that I just wasn't living a great story with my life. Everything I was doing, I equated to building a sandcastle. And sandcastles wash away. Because if you're not about impacting others, if you're not about growing and investing and helping other people, you're really not doing anything that's going to impact your legacy. And so for me, it's, it's helping people awake and it's seeing that change. Uh, and for us, shirts initially ended up just being a route that I went down. It was honestly the third or fourth thing I tried to fit Compete Every Day's message into. But the longer I've done it, the more I've seen the fit because as your listeners know, every time... We have a big event, whether we're speaking, we have an interview, we have a date, like we have that outfit we go to, whether it's shoes, watch, dress, like there's something that we go to because we feel it makes us look good. We feel it gives us confidence and strength. 
in all reality, it's just a cotton polyester shirt, tank, dress, whatever, watch. The real strength and confidence is already within us. That one item just brings it out of us. And so for us, the apparel, our why, our mission is not to, to do anything of, of major physical change, but mentally. How can we remind you of what's already within you and then equip you and keep you motivated to keep in toward those pursuits in life? Very, very powerful. And when I was reading your bio, all I kept thinking is I was at ASU um, a couple years ago and I was at a tailgate party. <laughs> I imagine you out of your trunk at these tailgate parties and everybody coming over with TVs in the back of the SUVs. And yeah, I haven't seen too much of that in Canada. So I just <laughs> that in there. But yeah, mine was behind a gym. It was behind literally after workouts behind the gym, pop open the trunk of the car, pull out boxes, people shop, what's new, what do I need? They laughed that it would, it would be really funny in the winter if I got one of those massive trench coats like you'd see in New York City where you open it up and it's watches and stuff if it was like tank tops and t-shirts. And so that was kind of the ongoing joke for a couple of years with my friends. But yeah, it was, you know, honestly, at the time I was just starting out, I was telling anyone about the message. And so I always had the shirts and stuff with me in case somebody's like, oh, I, w I would like one. Awesome. I've got it. I'll be right back. How cool is that? And then you're just having tailgate parties at the gym. Yeah. So how has storytelling helped you build the brand of this business? You know, that's probably been the most crucial piece of it. Uh, because when I started, I knew the apparel industry is massively overcrowded. Uh, everyone can start a t-shirt company. You can start one in a day if you wanted to. So there's so much messaging, so many things out there. And so for me, I knew from day one, we had to focus on the brand and the brand message if we ever wanted to have a chance to stick around past a year or two. And so really what I focused on is how can we tell the community story? How can we tell people stories of how they're competing? Or how can we continue to tell this message of competing every day in multiple ways that it starts to click? Because as you know, as a speaker, you go to a conference and there may be 10 speakers talking about the exact same thing, but only one or two are going to resonate with you because of the story they tell, because of who they are, their history, or how they present. And so we know that 10 people presenting, same message, same everything, except you only resonate with two. Well, the same as us. So we try to tell that same story 10 different ways so that wherever you are, what you're dealing with, you start to see that connect. Every story is not going to land with you, but some do. Honestly, the biggest change for us was like seven years in, and, and that was last year is we were looking at where the brand was going and where we had slowly started turning the ship away from just apparel to really incorporating my keynote speaking and coaching, a lot of the things that you do as well around grit and competitor mindset. And I read a book by Donald Miller called Building a Story Brand. And I knew so many bits and pieces of Donald's book. And we'd incorporated a lot of it in terms of how you tell the story and how you consistently hit this brand message. But Miller's book was beautiful in how it, the book with the free workshops allowed you to take a different perspective on what story you're telling. Because as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as leaders, it's really easy for us to believe we're the superhero of the story. We're Superman, we're Batman, we're Wonder Woman. Uh, you know, we're Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia saving the day. Like, we love that. And, and that's just kind of natural to want to be the hero of your own story. But Miller argues the most successful companies are great about understanding the customer is the hero and you are the guide. So if you look at Star Wars, 
the company is actually Yoda. We should be Yoda as the guide that helps the hero solve the problem and save the day. If it's Hunger Games, you're, you're the Woody Harrelson character that's helping Katniss understand how to play the Hunger Games and succeed. And so that, from a brand messaging story uh, standpoint, really changed some of the ways we communicated toward the end of the year to simplify our message even more from just compete every day to who we focus on and what we try to do beyond just apparel. Uh, and so that's really what I think has led to so much of our success is focusing on that community and, and then continually refining that message over and over and over again until it's really clear both in our mind and the consumer's mind of what we do, what we're here to stand for, and what we honestly believe about the world. So we were talking prior to coming on the interview, and I'm curious, what are some of the emails you get from sharing these stories? Probably the best part of the job. Uh, and, and I say that because especially in my early years and even later when I've had just rough weeks, struggling weeks, just the timing of some of the emails I get of – we get ones with people that are struggling with life and struggling with, with maybe a divorce or a setback of some kind. And they get our emails and they're on our email list. And for some reason that message just hits them perfectly and they choose to respond and they're like, Hey, listen, I'm going through X, Y, and Z. I want you to know I bought my first shirt from you and I'll wear it every time I'm having a bad day. I just want to tell you, thank you for what you're doing. And when you read that, you're like, man, no matter how bad my day is, it's worth it. Like everything I'm doing at this point is worth it. If, if five years from now, the company, something happens, the company fails, goes away. Most people would be like, man, that's an embarrassment. Like that's a big failure. And I can look back and count hundreds of emails and say, I've changed, helped change people's mindsets and lives. Um, we got one the other day, actually Sunday, that I've got to film a video for to send back to her today. Uh, I just put in my email, like, just email me back. What are you, what are you working on? What are you struggling with? Uh, just to see if I could help point people in the right direction. And this lady emailed about, she just got her second diagnosis with cancer. And she's mom, uh, she's still going to work out, uh, but she's having to battle cancer again, which going through it once is a tremendously uh, painful experience. It takes its toll mentally and physically on you. And then having to go through it again can be almost a mental backbreaker for a lot of people. And she just wrote an encouraging note about how the brand and the message has helped her get through certain days. And my wife's reading it just crying uh, while she's reading it. And it's one of those, like you just get choked up and you're like, I mean, all I'm doing is trying to remind you of what you're already capable of, but we forget it so often. And so when I get those emails and hear from people, it, it like literally, it changes my whole perspective on it. It, it gives me a new fire um, but more than anything, it helps me practice gratitude and just being grateful for the opportunity to serve these people and help. And on the days that I feel like something as silly as a t-shirt, uh, you know, why are we messing with it? And then hearing someone's story about how they're using that t-shirt when they go to chemo or they wear it, you know, just to get through those days, you completely understand why you're here to do what you do. So Jake, how, cause this is very, very powerful knowing that you're having this outreach, it ripples to other people because if they, they are shifted, we know that it, that encouragement shifts and ripples to other people. You change one life, you change many. How do you handle the doubters? Were there doubters at times when you started with the trunk? And uh, what do you do to block that out and stay focused on your mission? 
Yeah. So there's always doubters from day one. Uh, usually in the early days, it's more friends and family than it is outsiders. So it's a tougher battle of like, what are you doing with this like t-shirt thing? Like you're selling them out of the trunk of your car. And then you still have them as you get older and farther and more experienced in your career. For me, it used to really bother me. I would use it as fuel, kind of like the shirt you talked about. It, it was that fuel for a bit. But as we know with a lot of things, sometimes our journey isn't as quick as we expect it to be. We think within two, three years, we're going to be rolling. And sometimes it takes eight to 10 before we really start to hit our stride. And that's pretty normal. You don't know it looking on social media, but in reality, the journey to success is much longer than we expect. And so early days, those doubters, you can let those whispers really start to get in your ear because where you are at that moment is not quite where you expected it to be. And if you turn and start looking and listening to everyone else, you get distracted. The best way I try to describe it is, is a track star. If you think about an Olympic sprinter, she lines up in the gate or feet her in the blocks, gunfire. She takes off sprinting toward a finish line, 100 meters straight ahead. And as she's running, she starts to think, I wonder what everyone else is doing. So she starts looking to her left and to her right, starts trying to hear what everybody else is saying, what they're talking about. Is she running too fast, too slow? Somebody else catching. And when you do that, your shoulders twist, your head turns, you run out of your lane, you fall down, you don't go anywhere near your top speed, you fail to win the race. It's only by putting on your blinders, blocking everything else out, pushing forward in one direction toward your finish line that you're able to reach your true athletic potential. Well, the same applies to our life. It's only by learning to block out those doubters, block out everything else, focus on your finish line. Don't worry about what race everyone else is running. You can easily look to your left and right and get distracted that someone's beating you when they already had a 20-yard head start. You didn't know that, but you're so distracted that you're not able to run your own race. And so for me, dealing with the doubters early on was just a matter of teaching myself to focus on my lane, my journey, and understand that what I'm doing is different than other people. Additionally, the positive encouragement and peace I focused on is who am I serving and helping? That mattered more to me than what other people and doubters were saying. Because um, even people I had, I had consultants come in, they were like, ah, what you're doing is wrong. You need to pull yourself out of here. And we spent a couple of years of listening to some of those and questioning what I was doing to only end up, no, like that's wrong. Like I am a big piece of it. This message is where I'm going. I need to be in here. And so it's really learning to focus in on your own lane, build in those affirmations and care more about who you're serving than what others say about you. So would you say that you had an inner knowing? That I had a what? Inner knowing. That knowing that you're going to succeed no matter what everybody says. I, I have that. I think that's kind of always been part of my just DNA. Um, some would call it ignorance. Uh, some would just call it a little cockiness. Uh, but no matter how bad the situation has gotten, I always think I'm going to come out. Uh, I'm confident in that because I'm not, I get stressed sometimes about how far I have to go and then check myself and say, all right, what's my next step? And when I'm focused on what that next step is, I know eventually I'm going to get to where I want to go because I'm only taking it a step at a time. I'm not trying to skip steps. I'm not trying to cheat and look for shortcuts. I'm only focused on what's next. And my brain can't talk me out of it, can't tell me fears and doubts and, and try to tell me to run if it's only focused on an immediate task right in front of me. And so that has helped uh, in that sense. And then eventually, as we talked about those emails, when you get things like that, 
it's really hard not to believe that you are doing what you're meant to do on this earth uh, in some form or another. And, and that may tweak and change, but you start to get those glimpses of I'm on the right path. And so you just keep pressing and doesn't matter if there's a Goliath in front of you or not, uh, you just keep running forward. And that next step, it's, it's possible, right? It's not something that people are like, oh my gosh, that's impossible because it's a few steps ahead. And if you just stay at that one stop, it's like, okay, I can manage that. And then what's the next step? And what's the next step? Have you, uh, have you ever run like a half marathon or full marathon? Actually, I did. And I think you, we may have crossed paths. I was in Vegas in November and I did my second half marathon this year. We would have crossed paths. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So that was my second. The yeah, first one I ran was well. what? That was my second as well. Okay. So the first one I ran was 2013 and I didn't train for it. And as I'm running, you know, you're passing casinos, they're massive. You're going and I get to a water station and I think I'm making really good time and, and my feet are kind of hurting a little bit at this point, but I'm like, I'm rolling. And then I look up and see mile marker two. And I started to panic because I was like, I have 11 miles to run. Like there's no way I'm going to make 11 miles. So my brain at that point, just like all of us, is like, how do we get out of this? Like, how are you going to get, can you jump into a casino and play blackjack? Like, what are you going to do to get out of this? Because this is just too far to run. And, and any one of us listening, we get into a new situation, a new job, new opportunity, and it's harder than we think. So in that sense, and what I've done ever since then running is I play tag and I'll pick someone out just a little ways ahead of me and I'll chase them. And then when I catch them, I'll find someone else and I'll chase them. And the reason that's so powerful is because every time you catch someone, you get that hit of dopamine, that reward, your brain motivates you to do it again. But additionally, we can't talk ourselves out of it. We can't listen to fear and doubt when we're just focused on that next person in front of us. And it's like a game. And so I talk about like when we're kids, we play tag on the recess playground all the time. And kids love that because you're just like, who's the next person I can catch? And if we start treating our life that way and our goals that way and our pursuits that way, we, we're able to stay motivated and focused on the things that move us forward, on the things that really matter, because we're not worried about everything we have to do and how far we have to go. We're just worried about who do I have to catch next and then playing tag. Who knows? You might have been my tag partner. <laughs> I go to bed. <laughs> One of the things I learned, because um, my first half was in June of just uh, 2018, and then in November I did the second one. But when I signed up, it was considered done in my mind. Consider it done. Because I went to a different city to run it, didn't know the path, and all I thought is I have, I, didn't, I don't even know if I had ID on me. All I know is once you're out, there's only one way back and my car was at the end. <laughs> so it was considered done. Like whether I was walking, crawling, running, it was done in my mind. It was happening. And I think with the next step and also when you make a commitment to yourself, you consider it done. You're, it's, it's finished in your mind. It's just a matter of putting in the work and the effort that goes with it. I love that. I love that. It especially once you start, because you're, you're right. There's one way to that finish line and it's that one direction. This one I did a little bit differently in that I had three buddies fly out with me just kind of to go. One ran the 10K, two ran the half. And, and the guys that ran the half, we all were just kind of like, let's just 
have fun with it and see who wins. Like no big deal. But which creates a little competitive drive of like, okay, you know, who's buying the round of drinks first afterwards. And, and so you get that little competitiveness. The problem a lot of people have is crazy. It's not at the starting line. It's all the time leading up to it because when they sign up, a lot of people are like, I'm, yeah, I'm running a half marathon. And people start to be like, oh, that's awesome. That's so great of you. So proud of you. And in your brain, your brain does this crazy thing where it starts to give you all the rewards of being a half marathon or a marathon. <laughs> yeah. And when your brain does that, you start to think, well, I don't have to train as hard. Because you're already feeling that sense of accomplishment, even though you haven't done yeah. it. And so getting yourself to that starting line to where it's a point of no return is sometimes the biggest challenge for us of getting to that point and going because our brain is going to talk us out of the training and everything else prior because people are already kind of telling us and, and rewarding us for something we haven't done yet, which is why you see a lot of people sign up for races and then fall off their training or don't race at all is because they've already rewarded themselves in their head. But if you can just force yourself to get to that starting line, whatever it takes when the gun fires, like it's off, you're going, there's no more time for fears or doubts or anything else because all of that is in the lead up. Once that gun goes, it's like, hey, let's have fun. Yeah. The point of no return. That's right. You know that there's, throughout this interview, you're just going to have to go back and listen to yourself. Because I think there's a lot more going on some shirts. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a little bit more, especially the last couple years with, uh, with where we've started moving than just the shirts. I mean, we'll release our first online course uh, in February that, that are pulling pieces of my keynote. And then obviously, as you know, I've been speaking for the last few years as well yeah. to teams about grit and accountability and, and really applying that message to life. Because when I looked at it a few years ago, I said, okay, what do we do well? And it was the storytelling. And so what is our end goal? Well, it's to impact people, to help them stay motivated and focused to reach their goals. Yeah. If we want to do that, how can we do that? And so we really looked at speaking and, and the programs and other things of, I can touch one person with a shirt in a one-on-one -on -one interaction. And then, like you said, they have a ripple effect. Yeah. Or I can go to a conference or a team and I can talk about what this looks like, not in the gym, but in life. How do you compete in life? How can I flip your whole perspective on competition in mm -hmm. terms of looking at it as me versus me? And that creates another ripple effect. And then eventually a book, which will create another ripple effect. So yeah, so we've slowly evolved, but at the end of the day, everything that we do is about reminding people what they're capable of and then helping them stay motivated and focused to compete for those things. Absolutely. I can only speak from my experience. And when I work out and look in the mirror, the message on my shirt is my mantra. So when I feel like, I don't know if I can do another rep, and it says, watch me, or I have another one that says, stop stopping yourself. I look at that and I, you know, as I'm working out, it's internalizing and it is this subliminal messaging that keeps me going. Can you tell us about the importance of having those messages of encouragement around us? Yeah, so a couple notes on that. And I think it's incredibly insightful of what you shared about that mantra to the world. Because some people I'm not, sure are aware that like what you wear is what you what everyone else who sees you believe thinks that you believe about the world so if i see someone walking down the street with an offensive shirt i automatically assume that that person is offensive they may have just thought it was funny but i'm automatically going to assume pieces about them because of the shirt they're wearing because of what we wear 
tells others what we believe, because if we're going to put it on, it's what we believe about ourselves and we believe about the world. So knowing that and kind of always having that, that mindset, I've been very intentional about the things that we put on because I want those positive words to be reinforced in you. Because every time I want you to see it, it's like you can speak negatively or you can speak positively. One's going to drain you and one's going to uplift you. And so if I can help uplift you, even if you just read the words on your shirt, it's going to get up. It's going to help change that mindset a little bit at a time, a day at a time, a rep at a time. And so for us, we're very intentional about the messages we put on there. Um, you know, we use a, a couple of funny shirts here and there between the coffee and squads so or the donut judge me uh, more mixing in some of that personality. But yeah. where we started shifting in 2019 is, is away from even some of those funny ones to solely focus on everything that reinforces that message we want. Um, so like the one we talked about that was your favorite that I know I was slow bringing back out of the vault. <laughs> so if you're watching, this is probably going to show up correct. Yes, but it does. It does. It shows up right. But when you wear it, um, it's actually reversed. So you're only able to see it in the mirror. So you are the only person that can read it where it says, be your own motivation. And it's just that subliminal reminder of like, I don't need anybody else to motivate me. I'm doing it for me. Or some of our new ones have like every day is a competition, go win yours. Like it's little things like that that are just want to reinforce because in my mind, a lot of times when we face adversity in life, we face struggles, we feel like we're all alone with this Goliath, this adversity, this monster in front of us. No one knows what we're going through. No one can relate to us. We just have this in our head that we're the only ones going through this. In all reality, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people out there going through the same situation we are, going through harder situations than we are. And so, but we don't know about them. And so we assume we're all alone. But the moment we start to believe in ourselves, we start to reinforce some of these positive habits and we start to overcome those Goliaths one step at a time, one action at a time. Other people out there are watching us, whether we realize it or not. People at the gym watch us, people at work watch us, people at home. They're always watching us. And they're watching our actions and how we respond to certain things and adversities, how we handle when things don't go our way, when we have a massive setback. Do we get back up? Do we keep pressing forward? Do we have the positive mindset that we're not going to let this thing stop us? And when people see that, it creates these positive chain reactions because our actions are inspiring them to take action in their own life. Because at that point, if you see someone else overcoming what you're battling too, it's going to one, inspire you with the fact that it's possible to overcome this situation. So that changes your perspective a little. The second thing it's gonna do is force you into a choice. Am I gonna to choose to compete and overcome this too? Or am I going to give up defeat? It's very different when you don't think you have a chance to win because you don't have to make that choice. But the moment you realize Victory is possible. You have to decide, am I going to go for it? Am I just going to accept defeat? And most people are not going to just accept defeat if they know there's a chance they can win. And so these, these shirts, these positive affirmations, these things we remind ourselves every day help reinforce that foundation, that positive belief of what I can do. And the most important part about that is everyone's watching you. So when they see you put on a certain shirt, when they see you keep going hard in the gym, even though you look like you're exhausted, they're going to be forced at that point to evaluate how they're approaching their life and their mindset and choose one way or the other. And hopefully your actions, your leadership is choosing them to go the positive way. And yet you have just all these thoughts going through my head <laughs> and, it, and it's so true, but that is how I was introduced to your company 
I'm sure it was through Instagram. And the first shirt that I ever saw was someone wearing be your own motivation and that it reflected back in the mirror. And when I finally decided I was going to go through with it, it was no longer there. And I'm like, Oh, it's gotta be like Disney. They're going to have to take it out of the vault. And I'm sure I emailed the company and said, Hey guys, can you bring that back? And so, then we got on the call and I was like, I have a surprise. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I am honest. No holding back and no waiting because I have learned my lesson. Yes. Um, one of the other shirts I have my eyes on right now is kill the excuses. What are the excuses that you have heard and why are we making them? We all make excuses. Uh, and a lot of it, it's, it's an easy way out to avoid responsibility. Because if we can deflect the responsibility for us not getting certain things done, we tend to feel better about ourselves. It doesn't make the situation any more true. We just feel better about ourselves. And, and for a lot of people, they're okay with deceiving themselves in that fact. That shirt for me was kind of a, it was a Halloween shirt. We made it glow in the dark. Uh, we did the kill with a big knife, a butcher knife on the back around the Halloween theme, but really as a, let's draw a line in the sand in October. And all the excuses you've allowed yourself to use before of, I don't have time. I'm not as lucky as they are. I'm not as talented as they are. Uh, I just, I don't, I'm not as fortunate as they are. Like everything that you can hear yourself start to create, like draw a line in the sand and get rid of them. Like let's take responsibility for our actions and then let's find a way to move forward despite those excuses. Because we, a lot of the times we use the excuses because we don't want to look bad. We don't want to look honestly human. We love the idea of looking perfect. And if we can deflect responsibility to someone else, we can still look perfect. But the truth is nobody is inspired by seeing perfect. No one brags about, you know, the easy things they do, the simple things. It's the stories of struggle of the person that built their business from the ground up of the person that overcame adversity. That is what inspires other people to take action. It's never the person making excuses of why they got it done. It's the person that's overcoming those excuses, those obstacles to get it done. And so for me, the excuses you hear talent. Well, I mean, Angela Duckworth uh, debunks that myth in her book saying that in science, work ethic and grit is twice as important as talent. We may get on social media, we see someone else's victory and we just assume that they're winning because they're more talented, they're luckier than we are. In all reality, I would challenge most people to look in the mirror and ask themselves, what if we're more talented and they're just the harder worker? What if we are the one that has more God-given talent, but yet they're the one that has better grit and more work ethic, and so they're going to pass us? Now, the more talented person, if they've got an unstoppable drive, they're going to go. But a lot of times, talent's not the case, and so that drops it. Making time or having time everybody's got the same 24 hours. Some people have more responsibilities with family. Some people have more responsibilities at work, but you can choose to make the time, whether it's a little bit later at night, a little bit earlier in the morning. We just love the snooze alarm more than we do our goals. A lot of dates. We love the idea of getting a cheeseburger at lunch and fries. than we do of sticking to the, the gym routine that we said we were going to, to lose the 15 pounds. We can't stop complaining about having. Like we make those choices and those excuses. And so for a lot of people, it's just kind of getting honest. And it's a day-at-a-time process. It's like anything else. You're not going to change everything overnight. And a lot of people get so frustrated and quit because they're trying to, to run that full marathon instead of saying, what's the next thing I can do to better improve to kill this excuse? And so for me, what I challenge people to do is write down those excuses. Those things that you're using 
And even if you have those great friends, people around you, ask them what excuses I've given you about why I haven't gotten this goal done, why I haven't done this or this. And then be honest, write them down, figure out what they are, and then how you're going to overcome them. In the past, I've said, this is my excuse. I don't have the time. Going forward, I'm choosing to make an extra 20 minutes in the morning by setting my alarm at 5 a.m., getting up, reading, writing, whatever, before the kids get up, before everybody goes to work or go to the gym. And so that's, that's a big piece of, of that killing your excuse. Love it. Love it. Because you're, it's amazing what people can get accomplished in 20 minutes. They don't think 20 minutes is a lot of time. How much can I really do? And uh, I challenge people. I say, put on the timer and watch what you can do. Man, it's, it's crazy. Chris Brogan uh, really got me onto it years ago with his 20 minute plan. And he's like, take your most important things, break it into 20 minute chunks with a timer in between, turn off your phone, turn off your email and just head down and go. And you can move through stuff. It's just we keep our phones on. We get notifications. We check our email. We play on Facebook. We, we, we get ourselves distracted. Or the other side of that is we think it's only 20 minutes and we can't get everything done, so we're not going to get anything done. Versus I can get half of it done in 20 minutes and be farther along than if I just sit here. Yeah, exactly. And I know I was watching, you have a YouTube video, which I thought was phenomenal about killing the excuses. So I do want everyone to go check out Jake Thompson and kill your excuses. Just type it in the search box and you will have it. Um, but it made me think about, you know, we have many ways to learn. And in that video, you talk about, you know, we talk, so many people tell me, Deb, I don't have the resources. And uh, one of the excuses I've heard is that's the biggest one for me that I hear from people. And I remember when my daughter was in grade nine, she needed to learn benchmarking and uh, this math concept in grade nine. And she was like, mom, I can't do this. And I said, did you look at the textbook? Yeah, that didn't help me. And I said, did you go on YouTube? And she looked at me straight in the eye and she's like, why would I do a thing like that? And I looked at her and I said, are you kidding me? In my day, which could be dating me, I guess, because we needed to use encyclopedias and you wouldn't have solved the math problem with the encyclopedia. And I looked at her and I just said, you have resources at your fingertips. I am not helping you. And I walked away 20 minutes later. She had this video on uh, benchmarking from a teacher, actually local who did this phenomenal video. She understood it like that. She went to school, taught her friends, and then she went and showed it to her teacher who put it on their website. I'm like, this is what happens when you tap into your resource. Now she's in university and she'll be stuck on something and she go, and I'll say, she goes, oh, I was stuck on this. And I said, and I already went on YouTube. <laughs> so I don't, no excuses, right? Especially, with the internet there's I mean there's so many tools between I mean Skillshare is like 20 bucks a class and you can learn photography design I mean you name it there's coding programs there's so much out there wealth of information that I just don't know it is no longer a valid excuse you know 15 20 years ago we didn't have the wealth of information between Google and YouTube and everything and so you were going to encyclopedias you were library studying now it's like open your phone type it in. It's there. I mean, everything I've worked on from editing podcasts to videos, all of that's on YouTube. And so people use that. They're just trying to find excuses that most people believe. And 
the, those equations of I'm not lucky enough, I'm not like them. The power is in the actual story piece. And what I mean by this is when I started early speaking, I had just a self-limiting belief that I was not going to be able to, I was cocky that I was going to make it, but I would never get to an elite level as a quote motivational speaker because I didn't have the story of, of being destitute, of being on drugs or near suicide. I don't have that. I don't have that crazy, wild, out of the box story that a lot of motivational speakers have. And I was working with my coach on it and he made an incredibly valid point. He said, how many people in your audience do you think relate to them or to you? Whose life story is probably more common? The everyday guy that struggled with complacency, that wants to overcome this, set the best life, or the person that went through this crazy extreme thing? It's like more often people can relate to that story, to you. And he said, so the power is in that story. And for a lot of us that don't have the resources and the talent, so what? Some of the most successful people out there didn't have the resources and the talent when they started. And what's so amazing about their story is they didn't allow that to stop them. Like going into the speaker route for me is a very backwards way. I started selling t-shirts out of the trunk of my car and went from there. Most people start as speakers and authors and then try to go the merchandise route. I didn't have the platform when I started. I didn't have any status or anything. It just me. But that's something a lot of people can relate to, which is why entrepreneurs reach out and ask questions. Because I'm like, oh, I did this. I wouldn't do this. Because they can relate to not having that budget to that starting spot that some other people can't. And so for those of you making the excuse that I don't have the resources, I don't have this, this, and this, like you have so much free information at your fingertips. I think you just need to be honest with yourself and say, what's the real reason you're making this excuse? Are you afraid of failing? Every successful person has failed. I failed last year. I failed years before. I forgot sections of a keynote while I'm giving the keynote and then tried to close it, realized I couldn't do a callback to what I didn't say at the beginning, so then had to try to change it at the end. Like everyone has mess ups and mistakes and failures. The most important thing for everyone in that situation, if failure is the biggest thing that scares you, is to understand it's common and it's an event. It's never a person. It's not an identity. Like it's something that happened to you just like walking outside and getting rained on. A lot of times failure is out of our control. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is. The most important thing for all of us to learn in those situations is what we do next. So what are you going to do next that you have this excuse? If it's a fear of failure, there's a chance you win, there's a chance you lose. If you lose in that moment, what are you going to do next? Because that's what's going to be the biggest change and the biggest proponent to your future success. And if you win, what are you going to do next to build it on? I have to thank you for that because that's a belief that I had as well. I had a belief that if you didn't have this certain type of story, who was going to listen? And uh, that was, yeah, that was a good aha for me today. <laughs> it, it, I mean, you think about it, you think about everybody. There's some amazing people. They put some awesome content out, yeah. but there's some people I just will never connect with because their story is so different. Yeah. But then you hear the, the person, uh, if you've ever heard John Acuff, the author, like, He's got some incredible books and content. He's so funny. I can't relate to his humor. I'm not that kind of funny. But John started writing a little blog, got picked up, then wrote a book, then got into a big organization. He worked with Dave Ramsey's organization, then left the organization because what he was talking to people about doing of starting this entrepreneurial drawing wasn't aligning with what he was doing. And he just, he talks about these doubts and fears and he's just an everyday guy. And so when you see him and his journey and what he does as a parent and 
Like, it's not like he, he had this massive platform. He just little by little wrote and built and people relate to that and they connect with him. Whereas a big celebrity and sports star, like you can't relate to their lifestyle because it's a whole other world. But if you come talk to me and I hear about your story and how you started and why you do it and the pieces that you built that you didn't start with this, everything given to you, like people relate to that. They relate to someone saying, yeah, I failed my first business. You know what that's like? Like I went into bankruptcy, sucked. Here's how I crawled my way out. Here's how I started my second business, what I did differently. Like, oh, so that person that's sitting in bankruptcy at that moment that thinks the world is over, they'll never have another chance, can hear that and be like, if they can do it, I can do it too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that message. So in life, people are comparing themselves. In business, they're competing against each other. Who's the real competition? Always yourself. It's just like that track star we talked about earlier. Like you've got to be able to put on your blinders, press toward your finish line, because it's the only way you reach your true life potential. And so we get caught up in, in what everyone else is doing, where everyone else is. But the, the thing is, like if we invest all of that time, energy, and emotion into other people, we don't control them. We don't control their talents, their drive, who they know, where they come from, how much money they started with, what kind of head start they did or didn't have, like none of that. Yet you pour all of your energy and emotion into things outside of your control. It's like every day stressing and worrying over the weather. You have zero control over the weather, just like you have zero control over other people. And so if you focus on what you control and start building on that every day, you're able to compete with yourself. You're able to reach that true potential in your career, your relationships, and your life because you are your own strongest competition. You're your greatest motivator and your greatest competition. And so what I challenge people to do is, is something easy as even a journal. A couple of bullet points a day is an easy starting point. But write down, like, what did you learn that day? What's a lesson? And what's something you're grateful for? Because the goal is tomorrow to look back at that lesson from yesterday and be like, well, I learned I spent too much time on social media. Cool. Today's me is not going to spend that much time on social media. Next month, if you're looking back at those lessons from last month, you can start to see that growth. We compare ourselves with other people because we feel like it's easy to measure because there's, there's industry awards or there's income levels or they're lifting this much weight. But it's only because we're looking outside at certain measurements. If we start internalizing and looking at these other measurements, how productive am I? How well am I loving my significant other or my family? What am I doing today to read a book chapter to learn to grow? How much weight am I lifting today at the gym versus what I was doing six months ago? We don't track our own growth. And so then we, we, we have trouble competing against ourselves because we have no unit of measurement like we do everywhere else. But if you put on the blinders, if you start journaling, writing the things you're grateful for, the lessons you're learning, seeing where your, your workouts are going, how you're able to improve financially, then you're able to look back and see those growth marks and see where today's you is doing against yesterday's you. And then you're motivated to keep going even more tomorrow. We have got everybody fired up and I'm, I'm thinking here, oh, I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> we just have to do this again. <laughs> I know. I think we have to. We'll have to have you come back on the show. Tell us a little bit about the Compete Everyday podcast. Yeah. So I started uh, December of 16. Uh, we're over 100 episodes now. We just kicked off season three. Uh, really, the first season was interviews with people about their story what they had overcome, because like we talked about, it's kind of everyday people that inspire us of what's possible. And so I wanted to share a lot of those stories of people that I know have overcome things that have achieved success 
how they've done it in a very relatable sense that a lot of times on podcasts, listeners elevate guests to this like celebrity status. And sometimes they're massive celebrities, but sometimes they're just everyday people. And so I wanted those everyday voices in a way that was very casual. And so season two was on really the mindset of competition. So it was a lot of interviews with coaches, sports psychologists, athletes about how competition in sports really aids you in life and what that transition looks like to using a competitive mindset in life. Season three is really doubling down on our mission of helping people stay motivated and focused to uh, reach their goals in their career, their health, or their life. And so each week uh, we drop two episodes on Sunday. It's a motivational talk with just me. It's anywhere from three to seven minutes. Just kind of get your mind right for the week ahead. Uh, and then Wednesdays we drop an episode that's either featured around career, health, or mindset. So you'll have health coaches, nutrition coaches on there, trainers, You'll have career. We've had a uh, corporate recruiter was our first career episode. He talked about what he sees on resumes, how people can stand out in an industry. Why, if you're 30 or 40, it's not too late to completely switch jobs or industries. Here's how you do it. Here's how successful people do it. Uh, we've had entrepreneurs talking about how they started a side hustle. They built it to a full-time hustle. Even those that just kept it a side hustle. They just wanted it to be something on the side to bring in extra income. And then mindset, it's sports psychologists, leadership coaches talking about strengthening your mind, your grit, your mental resilience, so that you're setting yourself up in life. Awesome. And I've listened to several episodes and really, it is all about competing every day because life is worth competing. Every day. Absolutely. So we have a special code. Um, so if anybody wants to get the shirt that's coming out of the vault uh, <laughs> or watch me or skill, will, and yep. uh, there's so many just to have that messaging for yourself, but also letting the world know around you what you stand for. Um, the code is Coach Deb. Yep, Coach Deb will get you 10% off any order. Uh, check it out. We release a new shirt every month, and then we've got a big release on January 30th, so you'll get to see our new look and feel. Uh, so come check it out. We're on every social media, Compete Every Day. Uh, and I'm usually behind the scenes on that. So say hi. I'll definitely say hi back. Awesome. I am so grateful. And I'm just amazed how our paths have crossed, yet we haven't met in person yet. So grateful next, for Next today. Vegas half marathon. We'll get it lined up there. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is awesome. So Jake, just finish off by telling us how they can stay in touch with you and uh, some of the other ways that they can be a part of your world. Yeah, absolutely. So CompeteEveryDay.com is the hub for everything Compete. Uh, Compete Every Day on social. We're most active Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, I'm active on our YouTube channel and then most on myself at Instagram. It's life is worth competing for. So easy to remember. Uh, shoot me a DM, happy to chat, help, or, or clear anything up that I talked about today that you wanted more info on. But um, that's the best way to get in touch with us. Uh, and we're always looking to help people just build their grit and mindset. So if there's anything we can do on that, please don't hesitate to let me know. Awesome. Awesome. And that's a wrap. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jake, so much for joining us here on the Millionaire Woman Show. As always, uh, we would love for you to go over to iTunes, Spotify, give us a five-star high five, um, and give just share this podcast so you can change the world of other people. And we'd love for you to go over to the Success Secrets newsletter at www.debrakazowski.com. As Muhammad Gandhi says, be the change you wish to see in the world. And our wish from Jake and I is go out and make today great. Have a great day, everyone.